So in Luke chapter 1 that we've already read this morning, um, we're going to see some things, and we're going to see ultimately and answer ultimately this question. And I'm going to ask this question to you this morning. Have you, have you ever had disappointment? Has anybody ever disappointed you in your life? Good. Right? That means you've lived. Okay? But here's the, here's the even bigger question. Has God disappointed you? Okay, you answer that, but it has, ever, has it ever felt like God has disappointed you? There you go. We feel that way sometimes, right? But what we know to be true is feelings are not always true. Because God never disappoints. It's not in his character, and it's not in his nature. That's not who he is. But we've all lived with some type of disappointment, haven't we? Right? Look, as a pastor this week, I have this message on my heart, and I've been preparing it. And, and men, let me tell you, the enemy has been in full force attacking me, attacking our family this week. It's like, man, but, but I, I want you to know that this is that, is that when the enemy attacks like he just did with our microphones this morning, here's the deal. Here's what we know to be true when the enemy attacks. It's because God is working and God is moving. And so don't miss this morning. Open your ears, open your hearts to what he is going to say. Our aim is simple this morning. It answers that question, what do we do with disappointment? And our aim is this, we serve God in the midst of our disappointments, trusting he is always faithful. And I want to I hone in just real briefly before we jump in the text, this word serve, and I, and I chose it specifically. We serve, and, and, and here's the interesting thing, and in that if we go back to the Hebrew language, the root word for serve is this word avad. And, and, and in Hebrew and Jewish culture, these words were interchangeable. So they could use it in one context, and it means serve, but they often used it in another context, and it meant worship. So, so what really I'm saying this morning is that in the midst of disappointment, us as believers in Christ are called to serve and worship Trusting that God is always faithful. So interchangeably, when we serve, guess what we're doing to the, for the Creator? We're worshiping, right? Luke chapter 1, we open in, chapter, in verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. A real place, real time, we've established that last week. Of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So, so two things real quick. Elizabeth comes from the daughters of Aaron, which dates back to who? Aaron. Moses, yes, but Aaron, right? Like, it's right there, okay? It dates back to the time of Moses. So she's lineage through the, the priesthood that, that God set up in Moses' day. And then Zechariah is from the division of Abijah, which goes back to the time of King David. Right? Their lineage is deep, and it is long in the priesthood. Okay? And so we see this, and we see who they are. And then 
um, it, it tells us something. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. They were doing what God had asked them to do. They knew the Torah, and they were walking in it. That's what they were doing. The scripture tells us. Listen, verse 7 is huge. Verse 7 is huge. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren. This word barren. How many of you used the word barren in the last three years? Okay, good. Yeah, right. It's not a word that we use on a regular basis, right? But the word barren, if we were going to use it, we're going to describe what? A desert, right? That's barren. There's, no, there's nothing there. There's no growth there. There's nothing happening. It's, it's broken, dry ground, right? And, and so, but we use this word to describe Elizabeth because she couldn't have a child. Let me tell you something. In their day, that might have been the greatest disappointment of all. Because here's why. Just like our women learned on um, Friday night, uh, Christy McClellan taught us that Jewish culture doesn't necessarily operate on right and wrong like we do, right? You teach your kids right and wrong, don't you? Like, don't hit your sister, that's wrong. Don't bite your brother, that's wrong, right? That's how we do that. Jewish culture, as Christian McCullen explained to our women on Friday night, which, by the way, had 61 in attendance. So, yes, it's worth celebrating. Come on. Okay, good. Yeah. But, but she taught this, is that Jewish culture did not operate on right and wrong. They operated, operated on shame versus honor. So what was, how did I give honor? Or what was shameful? Well, in Jewish culture, to, to not have a child is shameful. It, it, it meant something in their minds. It meant something was wrong with them. You can't produce an heir. It, it, it was shameful. And we're going we're gonna to see, man, we're going to see today. How the Lord takes away shame. But we see that Elizabeth was barren. And they were both advanced in years. They were old. Just throwing that out there. All right. Verse 8. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So he gets chosen then to come in. That Zechariah, of all, there was hundreds of priests. It's not by chance, right? God is always working, even when you don't think he is. Even in the midst of your disappointment, God says, watch this. I got it. I'm doing something. I'm working. Verse 10, and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Listen, um, 
at this point, they still have a very healthy, they still do today, a very healthy reverence for the, the holiest of places, the holy of holies, where Zechariah is going into. He's going into the temple. And the reason that the, there, there's such a reverence for this time and this place is because that's where the presence of God is. And, oh, oh, that we would get a, a fire lit under us, that the presence of God is inside of us. And have a healthy reverence when we come before him and say, God, you are here, you are present right now. Work and move. But they this healthy reverence as Zechariah goes in, the rest stay outside and they begin to pray. Man, they begin to pray. Because he's in the presence of God. Verse 11, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. He's going to say seven things to him. You ready? Here we go. Do not be afraid. How many of you have ever been afraid in your life? How good is it? How sweet would it be for the Lord to audibly speak to you and say, don't be afraid? Right? He says, don't be afraid. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. <laughs> How many of you are currently praying prayers that you desperately want the Lord to hear? He hears. He hears. There's nothing you say he doesn't hear and doesn't already know. But he tells Zechariah, one, don't be afraid. Two, your prayers have been heard. Woo! And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. What? What? Like... Three of the greatest things we would, we would love just to, to rest in for the rest of our lives. Don't be afraid. Your prayers are being heard. And, and you're going to have a son. What? Man, I, I remember we didn't find out with, um, with um, Briggs and Sutton what we were having. We were like, we're going to go old school. And they get here. We're just like, yeah. And we didn't know what Briggs was going to be. In fact, the appointment for us to find that information out was on my birthday. And Logan goes, you want to find out? I'll let you find out. I said, no, we're going to do this. We're going to commit. We're going all the way. And I love my daughters to death. Like, they have changed my world. Um, <laughs> but when he was born, <laughs> woo! I came running out. <laughs> To all our family in the waiting room, and I say, it's a boy. <laughs> I already had a girl. Say, it's a boy, right? But here's here's this thing: it's like Zachariah is being told, "Don't be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. You're gonna have a son." What? Right? All the disappointment that he and Elizabeth had faced all of their life. Here you go. I'll turn your shame into rejoicing. I'll turn your tears into so much joy. 
what else he does. It's interesting here because I think those three things for all of us, we'd be like, yeah. Oh, that was awesome. Thanks, Lord. But what does the Lord always do? More than we could ever ask for. Abundantly more than we could ever desire. That's who he is. Watch what he does. Elizabeth will bear you a son. You shall call his name John. I'm going to go ahead and just name him for you. You don't even have to worry about it. Not stressful at all. Not even going to be Zachariah. He's going to be John. Right? And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Even from his mother's womb. Hey, Zachariah, you're going to have a son, but, but watch this. We're going to name him John. And, 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 and you and, and, and Elizabeth are going to be filled with so much gladness and so much joy. And, and he's going he's gonna to be very similar to a Nazarite in the Old Testament. That's what's referenced here. If you don't know about um, a Nazarite vow, go read the book of Judges and the story of Samson, and you will get a clear picture of the Nazarite vow. But, but this, is, this is incredible because God goes above and says, hey, this is what's going to happen, Zechariah. All the disappointment in your life, I am fulfilling, I am doing something, I am working. But then God goes a step further because in the midst of our disappointment, as we serve and we worship, we can trust that he is faithful. And, and then the question becomes, well, how is God faithful? Because if you're here this morning, let me tell you this. The faithfulness of God means this. That God is unchanging in his nature. That he's true to his word. And he has promised salvation to his people. And listen, and he will keep his promises forever. Because what he does next shows us that he's keeping his promises. Look what he, what he says this. Verse 16. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Come on, church, you got to see this. Malachi 4. Verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. What's he doing? He's fulfilling prophecy because he's faithful and he's true to his word. And church, in the midst of our disappointment, we can trust that he is always, always faithful. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. I love how Zechariah calls himself old, and then he says, My wife's advanced. Smart man, smart, smart man, right? <clears throat> I'm old, and she's wise. <clears throat> That's what he said. So <clears throat> here's the deal. We now have this turn, right? So we, we see God revealing to Zechariah, hey, all of your disappointment in life, man, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm laying it out there. 
And, and here's the thing about disappointment for us, is that disappointment comes in, in, in kind of sometimes the strangest ways. We don't always necessarily see it coming, right? It may be a health diagnosis. It may be, it may be an ongoing thing, right? Maybe, maybe you've prayed and longed for something and you've never gotten it, right? My wife and I have prayed and longed for a home. Most of you know that, right? And, and we're still in a rental. That's just where we're at. But we've not just prayed that since we've been here. It's been for almost 14 and a half years of our marriage, right? We don't have that. But does that make God any less God? No, absolutely not, right? Disappointment sometimes hits us in, in the craziest of ways but but here's the thing about god his timing is always perfect and when he fulfills something and when he makes a disappointment right this side of heaven or that side of heaven who gets the glory he does not you that's what he does right because his faithfulness is based upon who he is, what he's done, and what he will do. It's not based upon you. And it's not based upon what you can manipulate to try to make everything right. So, so listen to this. Watch what Zechariah does. How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. What does Zechariah do? He looks at himself and says, nope, this ain't happening. I'm old and my wife is old. Like, how will this happen, right? Well, he focuses on who? Himself and what is possible in his mind, right? So this is what we do with our circumstances. This is what we do with our, our disappointments in life. Is we sometimes put them so close here that we can see nothing else. Right? It's like if I take this quarter outside right here and I hold it up to the sun like this, what am I going to see more of? What? The sun. I'm, I'm going to see the sun and it's radiant glory, Right? I'm going to see more of the sun than I am going to see this. But when I take this quarter and I go outside and I put that quarter up to my eye, what do I see more of? The quarter. This quarter represents the disappointments and the circumstances and whatever you're walking through right now. And I'm going to tell you in all love, and I have to do this in my own life every single day, Move the quarter. Move it. Because when you move it, you see him. And you see more of him. Because he's bigger than any disappointment you can face. He's bigger than any circumstance. He's bigger than any medical diagnosis. He's bigger than any house that you can get. He's bigger than any car you can get. He's bigger than any problems you face in your marriage. He's bigger than the kid who's run away from the faith. He's bigger than all of those things. Move the corner. And focus on him. And this is where Zechariah is. He's focused on what he can do 
And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you, to bring you this good news. Zechariah, listen, focused all on him, what he could do. And the angel repositions Zechariah's perspective. He says, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And he sent me to tell you this good news. Zechariah, brother, it ain't about you. And it never has been. It's about God. And he's the one bringing the good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until that day, until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in what? In their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. Remember that, that, that reverence, that healthy reverence of the temple? He comes out and he can't speak. And immediately, what do they think? They realize that he had seen a vision in the temple. Well, he was in the presence of God. And when he went in there, he could talk. And he came out of the presence of God. And now he can't speak. That was God. He, something happened in there. Something's going on, Right? A vision from <clears throat> seeing a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute can you imagine going in being able to talk and coming out and going I have to use sign language for the next nine to ten months like I don't know what this is going to happen like, right what, what would some of you be like I'm good I know sign language Paula right and he's like but what, what would you do right Verse 23, and when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. Verse 24, and after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Now let's just unpack that. I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been chewing on and, and wrestling with why why would, would, would Elizabeth be given this news and, and be pregnant for five months and keep it hidden? Why, why would, like, I, just think about it. If, if, God, if God came in after years of disappointment and he gave you something that you were disappointed, that you were shamed about, what would, you, what would natural human inclination be? Can you believe this? Right? I'm going to tell everybody. And so I've been chewing on this. Like, why, would, why, would, why would she be quiet? Why would she keep this hidden? This is, this is a revelation from God. Why would she keep this hidden? And it dawned on me this It clicked in my head this morning and I was like ooh okay she goes on and she's going to say this 
Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Another word here is shame. Take away my shame among people. I was, I was reading a commentary this week and it said this. It said we sometimes fail to put humanity um, into these biblical characters. And, and the reality for Elizabeth would, was is probably very similar to us is that is that early on when she was young and without a child, there was probably, hey, Elizabeth, we'll pray for you. We'll pray for you. We're, we're praying for you. We're praying that God, God gives you that. And then as she got advanced in years, it, it came less about, Elizabeth, we'll pray for you, and, and more about the whispers that were being said about her. And she keeps these things hidden for five months saying, God, you're the one that's taken my shame away because that's who he is. And I couldn't help it. It hit me like a ton of bricks this morning. I can't help but Elizabeth thinking and going back to the time of Exodus when they're crossing the Red Sea and God simply says, the Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. Can't help that verse just sitting on Elizabeth's heart. And as God worked and as God moved and as the whispers continued, she's inside rejoicing because the Lord has been fighting for her. Because that's his character and that's his nature. In the midst of disappointments, we worship and we serve the God of heaven, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, trusting that he is always faithful. And here's the beautiful ending of this story. She gives birth to this beautiful little boy, John. And John goes on. And then we see in John chapter 1, verse 19, and this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Well, if you've been paying attention, if you've been paying attention, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then, are you Elijah? Hmm, it's interesting. And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the, vo I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin 
of the world. All the fulfillment of what God has spoken to Zechariah and Elizabeth. It says, this is your son. This is the one I'm gonna give you and he's gonna prepare the way. It's fulfilled in this moment. It's fulfilled when John looks up and he sees Jesus and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All of the shame you face, all of the disappointment you face, whatever life has thrown at you, He and He alone, the Lamb of God, takes it away. That's who He is. That's what God does. He is faithful. You wonder about His faithfulness? We walked through His faithfulness this morning. We pulled from the Old Testament. He fulfilled it. We went from one gospel to another and watched God fulfill it. That's who He is. In the midst of your disappointment, you serve, you worship, trusting He is always and will continue to be faithful, church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thankful that you love us with an unending, steadfast love. Father, these are your moments. Father, they're yours. Father, you you know every heart in this room. You know the disappointments they've faced. You know the circumstances that they're walking through right now. Father, whether it's medical, whether it's family, whether it's just being unsure, you know. And so, Father, we pray right now that, that you would move as only you can move. Father, may we worship you even in the midst of the disappointment. Knowing and trusting, God, that you are faithful. Father, this is your time. It's all been your time. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.